Many of us gathered around the Christmas tree and sang Christmas carols at home uh, with family and friends and maybe even with some church family. Uh, We sang those Christmas carols, and one of those Christmas carols speaks to us about the thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices, uh, uh, and it talks about the birth of a glorious king. His name is Jesus. That's what Christmas has promised. It's a thrill of hope. Uh, We need hope in today's world. We need hope uh, for a weary soul. We need hope in this weary world. Not just us, but the whole world is screaming for hope in these difficult and dark days. Uh, In the dark hues and colors of the landscape of 2020, we're looking forward to a new year. And friends, can I tell you that as followers of Jesus, as the church called First Norfolk, we are the harbingers of hope. We are the people that have reason to uh, have hope in even the darkest of days, even the darkest uh, of night, bends to the will and the bright hope of Jesus Christ our King. So as we gather today, as we set our focus on this gift of hope that God has given us, I want to encourage you to turn uh, to 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter is speaking to people in situations that were far uh, bleaker than even ours today. Uh, He was speaking to people who were living in chaos like we're living. They were living in in, in a scattered kind of uh, setting. They were living in difficult moments and uh, challenging days. But Peter spoke to them, and God speaks to us about the hope that we have because of God's gift of hope, Jesus. I want you to read along with me in 1 Peter, and we're going to look at Uh, a a big chunk of this first chapter, but I want you to begin reading with me in chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Listen to the doxology of praise that Peter offers and that we join him in because of the hope that we have in Christ. Verse 3, he begins, "'Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ,' who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, you who are kept by the power of God through faith toward salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. This wondrous gift of hope that God offers us is found in the person of Jesus. We hear it as uh, from the first note of praise that Peter offers. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We are a people who must be praising God because God has given us a gift of hope. Through Jesus, we have a hope, not just any kind of hope, uh, not just a hope that comes today and is gone tomorrow, not a hope 
that is tied to our circumstances, not a hope that is filled with fanciful wishing and no reality. No, he gives us a hope that is living, that is real, that is based upon who Jesus is. Uh, He has given us a living hope, and the avenue that that living hope comes to us is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So that's good news for us who belong to God through faith in Christ. We have a living hope because even death can't kill our hope. We have a hope that never dies. We have a hope that's bound in the mighty work of God in Christ Jesus, defeating sin and the devil and death itself. Resurrection means restoration for us. It means hope for us. So today, if you have broken dreams, there is hope. Today, if you have broken relationships, there is hope. And today, if you look and you see the landscape of your life is littered with uh, scattered fragments of, of, uh, of, of, of a life that you wish that you had and, and, and is out of your reach, or relationships that have been um, shattered uh, by sin or by circumstance. Friends, there is hope. Resurrection means resur- restoration for you and me. There is hope, but it's bound up in Jesus. Uh, When we look at hope, uh, we need to understand that this gift, uh, this gift that God gives us is uh, bound up in Christ. It's through Jesus that we have a living hope, not through our efforts, not not even through our our, uh, uh, positive thinking. It is bound up in Jesus. Uh, in order to taste this hope. That, and, and, and a definition of hope would be uh, hope is the confident expectation of, the, of God's wondrous work in our lives today and every day from here to heaven. Hope is the confident expectation of God's wondrous work in our lives every day from here to heaven. Oh, we can count on God's merciful work, His loving work, His uh, a satisfying work, his correcting work to, uh, to give us uh, uh, the life that is matched by heaven's applause. Today, you and I are a people of hope because we uh, belong to a family of hope. You see, in verses 1 through 5, if we're going to understand hope and, and learn how to live and walk and share hope with others and show hope, to live in hope that satisfies our soul and, and, and makes us uh, forward-looking as well as present-feeling, we, we need to understand who we are in Jesus Christ. And that's what Peter does at the very beginning of, uh, of, of this chapter, again, speaking to people under persecution, under uh, Roman uh, uh, persecution, they were being beat down because they were followers of Jesus. They were being scattered uh, throughout the Roman Empire, uh, running away from uh, uh, terror and trauma and tragedy, all because they're followers of Jesus. Um, I believe that during this time that Peter wrote this letter, he was writing to a people who literally were in chains, who were literally being slaughtered in Colosseums because they were followers of Jesus. 
It kind of gives us a new perspective on our circumstance, doesn't it? We're facing isolation, six feet of distance, uh, masked uh, traveling. Uh, we're facing distant from family and friends, and all of that is hard for us. But friends, if, if God could say to the people in Peter's day, there's hope, um, and that hope is found in Jesus, then we too, living in our time, living in our setting, under the uh, wintry landscape of our life, we have hope. Not based upon our circumstances, but based upon Jesus. Through Jesus, we have a living hope. So who are we as followers of Christ that we should have hope in these dark days? How can we walk in hope? Uh, We need to understand that from the very beginning of this letter, Peter is speaking to the family. And he's saying, because you and I belong to the family of God through faith in Christ, then we have hope. How does he break it apart for us here? Well, he he tells us uh, first in in verse uh, 2 that we are the elect of God. What that means is that God has chosen us to be in his family. Uh, Through faith in Christ, we uh, abandon ourselves into the grip of God's grace. We find mercy and forgiveness from God through the death of Christ on the cross. When we, by faith, turn from our sin and trust in Christ, God brings us into his family. We are his chosen ones. We're part of the family of God. And now, as part of the family of God, we have a new beginning in this new family. Uh, we have, uh, we've been begotten again. Uh, that begotten again in verse 3 points us to the idea that uh, all the old has passed away and the new has come. When we look upon our lives and look upon our circumstances, we're no longer looking through the lens of those isolated from God, but now we're looking through the lens as a people who are walking with God each and every day, hand in hand with the creator of the cosmos, the one who satisfies the deepest yearnings of our soul. We have a new beginning. The failures of our yesterday no longer define our today or our tomorrow. They've been forgiven through the death of Christ on a cross in our place and for our sin. Uh, Today, we have a new beginning. Uh, We're new creations in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away and all things have become new and these new things have come from God who has brought us into his family. We're a new family with a new beginning. Uh, We're a new family with a new beginning. And we are a new family adopted into his family so that we experience the riches of that adoption. Look at verse 4. He says that we have an inheritance that's undefiled, that does not fade away, that's reserved in heaven for us. Uh, This inheritance is the possession of God's riches, his blessings, his salvation, his presence, his power, uh, his personal attention. Uh, I'm so thankful that uh, as I've traveled through my life, uh, the ups and downs, the good and the bad, uh, my mom and my dad and then my wife and my children have always been with me. They've always been there. I've never had to go it alone. Um, God's, God has given me a wonderful family that supports and strengthens me. Uh, in times when I was in financial difficulty, my mom and dad 
were able to help me. When I was in emotional, uh, 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 a cycle of emotional disaster, uh, my wife and my, my mom and my dad were there to help me. I had hope because I wasn't going it alone. And that's exactly what the inheritance is that we have through Christ. We, we are part of God's family. Therefore, God has adopted us. And he says, okay, now all that I have belongs to you from here and into eternity. And it is uh, the exclamation point of the riches of that inheritance is our home in heaven in the presence of God for all eternity. Uh, we are the family of God, and that family uh, hope springs into our hearts so that even in the most difficult of our days, uh, we have a confident expectation of God's wondrous work in our lives every day from here to heaven. Now, there is no day that we are walking it alone. We're part of God's family. We have a new beginning. We have the riches of our adoption, and we are under our Father's protection. Uh, that, that's verse 5, and, and then verse 6, 7, 8, and 9. Now, uh, verse 5 says that we are under God's care. Isn't that encouraging to know that we are living each moment under the care, the, the protection, uh, the, uh, the power of God's uh, 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 hand and love and grace, um, friends, that gives us hope that we're, we, we are walking with God. And, 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 and as we walk with God, we know that troubles are going to come our way. Verse 6, uh, Peter says uh, that uh, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. He says, okay, verse 5, God is with you and he is working his power on your behalf. But verse 6, there are going to be troubles that come your way. Now, we as followers of Jesus, we understand this concept of trouble. We suffer. Uh, I've got problems, you got problems, all God's children got problems. That's our reality. 2020 has taught us that a pandemic is no respecter of persons, but it affects us all. Um, you know, 2020 has taught us that even in the dark shades of difficult times, God is with us. If you're a follower of Jesus and you lack hope today, you know, perhaps it's because you're not focusing in on God is our Father and as our Father, He is our constant help. Now, when I was in uh, uh, all the way up through college and, and even into adulthood, um, whenever I found myself in a tight spot, uh, trouble, um, uh, whether it was trouble that I had created or trouble that was created around me, I always had my dad. There was never a time that dad was not there, even in my worst of worst decisions. My dad was there to help me navigate through those tough times. That even, even when the, the tight place and the trouble was a place that I had created for myself, my dad came, and it wasn't that dad didn't offer correction, he did, and it wasn't that dad didn't say you did wrong, he certainly did, but he said, Bud, you did wrong, but I'm with you and we'll get through this together. That's hope. 
in a grander scale, in a bigger picture, in a more satisfying way, God is our Father, and our hope in Him outraces the pain and the struggle and the consequence even of our troubles. Today, we have hope, not based upon our circumstances, but based upon our family. If you're part of God's family through faith in Christ, then, then we are a people of hope. We are children of hope. We are sons and daughters living in a family where hope is the theme. And that must be how we live our lives. You see, the gift of hope that God gives us shapes our everyday life. And it shapes our lives in such a way that then we can re-gift that hope to people who are far from God. We can re-gift that hope people who are discouraged by circumstance in life. We can re-gift that hope. If we have a living hope, then we must share and show that living hope. That's the re-gift. And what Peter does, beginning in verse 13, is he tells us how that we can give that hope, show that hope to a world that's desperate in need of hope. Verse 13, Peter tells us, and God tells us that if we have the hope and we're going to share that hope, then we must have hope-filled thinking. Hope-filled thinking. This reminds me when I was a, a kid and before I'd go to school, my mom and, and, and my older brother especially and then my younger brothers, we would meet around the breakfast table and, and mom invariably would give me morning messages, morning notes. And they may be uh, passages of Scripture or uh, tidbits of wisdom, uh, but they were uh, notes to encourage me uh, and give me hope for the day. And that's something that Peter is speaking to us about and God is calling us to do in verse 13. He says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Gird up the loins of your mind. What does that mean? It means take all the tattered fragments of your fractured thinking and bind them up so that you view your life not through the lens of your circumstance, but through the lens of hope. He says, be sober. He's talking about be, uh, be focused. And then he says, take your focused thinking and and, and all the tattered thoughts that you've bound up and, 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 and look through the lens of hope. Have hope-filled thinking. And that hope is built upon the grace that God gives us. Jesus gives us fresh hope every morning, like my mom would give me a fresh message every morning. Jesus gives us fresh hope every morning because he gives us renewed grace every single day. Grace to match the difficulties of the day. Grace to match the troubles that we face. Grace to match the, uh, the downturn in our positives and, and lead us to an upturn in our attitude. And today, uh, we must have this kind of hope-filled thinking. For many uh, of us gathered here, online, um, hope may seem far away, even as followers of Jesus, but let the message of hope drive how you view the world, and let the message of hope shape your life. And we show hope uh, to 
hopeless people when you and I think clearly about today and see ourselves and our circumstance through the lens of God's, with a, a confident expectation in God's wondrous work in our lives today and every day from here to heaven. You see, people all around you are chasing after hope. And uh, they, uh, uh, when circumstances don't go their way, they find themselves uh, sinking in despair. And God puts you in their path uh, so that you might show them what hope looks like. Not tied to circumstances, but tied, anchored in Jesus Christ, our King. Today, we must have hope-filled thinking. Is that that the way you look at your life? Is that the way you're looking at your circumstances through the lens of hope, the confident expectation of God's wondrous work in your life every single day from here to heaven? Friends, that's who you are because you're part of God's family. Because you belong to God, you live your life focused on hope. It's how we think clearly. We gird up the loins of our mind. We take all the tattered thoughts and we uh, set them under uh, the rule of God's wondrous work. The grace that Jesus gives us fresh each day. Today, I invite you as followers of Jesus to show hope to those who are far from God, the hopeless, so that they might taste and see that God is good. If we're going to show hope, we must have hope-filled thinking. Secondly, if we're going to show hope, we must have holy living. Benjamin Franklin uh, said this. He said, he that lives on hope will die fasting. That sounds kind of hopeless, doesn't it? (laughs) Uh, Benjamin Franklin was saying, if all you have is hope, then you're going to starve to death. That's what he's saying. But But it makes sense because, as we know about Benjamin Franklin, he was chasing something to satisfy his soul throughout his life. And even though he was a smart cat and did all kinds of good things, he was far from God. By his own admission, God was distant, uh, a distant deity at best, and an imagination of men uh, at worst. Benjamin Franklin was chasing hope that would never satisfy. When we chase hope without God, all we'll have is emptiness. And that is the description of so many people in our world today. The reason they're hopeless is not because the economy is down or because the wrong person is in the White House for them or because the, uh, their, uh, their job is downsizing or uh, because their day is difficult. The reason they don't have hope is because they don't have God. People are looking for something more substantive than the intangible hope without God that they've always had. They want something unique. They want something different to satisfy their soul. And that's a description of holiness. I want you to look at verse 14 through 16. So in verse 13, he says, Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Then verse 14, As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to your former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. 
because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Holiness means that God's life shapes our life. His character shapes our character. Holiness is a description of a life lived in sync with all that God is. It's a picture of Jesus being Lord over every department of our lives. And Jesus is not a tourist in our life. He is a permanent resident, and he is not just a casual observer in our lives. He must be the king. And when Jesus is the king, then he takes all the mangled messes of false chases that we've lived, all the things that we did in our former life, our life apart from Christ, and, and, and he says, put those things away, and they won't satisfy. And he says, now live life as obedient children, as those who carry the mark of God's family, live a holy life, just as God is holy. Be different. Be unique. And there's also another aspect of holiness. It, it's, it's wholeness, W-H-O-L-E. A holy life is a whole life. When you and I live in sync with the character of God, with the will of God, if, if you and I as children are obeying God as faithful children, then our lives will be whole. We will not have any missing parts and a whole life is a happy life. A life that is whole can only be found through holiness. And being conformed, uh, not to the uh, former way of life, uh, bound up in sin, but being conformed to the character of God revealed in Christ. And we're part of His family. We've been brought into the family of God. And so, as we live out our lives, allowing the character of God to shape our life, we find satisfaction for our soul. And when we find satisfaction, wholeness, then we are happy. And friends, that's what the people who go to the clubs and uh, spend their holidays half drunk and hollow-eyed, those folks are searching for wholeness. And they don't know it's found in holiness, but they know that they're chasing emptiness. And so we must demonstrate the happiness that comes from a wholeness found in holiness um, that can only be marked by hope in God. And we've got to show hope by holy living, by uh, hope-filled thinking. And finally, we show hope to others through humility. Humility. You might say, well, I I don't see how that shows hope. Well, uh, I would contend that humility is the spoonful of sugar that makes hope go down to the soul of those who are fighting against God. Humility. Uh, In a book by Lisa Gardner called The Perfect Husband, uh, she described an arrogant husband. Not, Not the perfect husband, but the foil, the arrogant husband. And she said, you're so arrogant that if you ever met God, the first thing you would ask him is, what are you doing in my chair? And we laugh and 
think that's, that's cute, that's funny, that's, that, that's enjoyable to hear that about somebody else. But the truth is, as followers of Jesus, is that how we're living our lives, where we're pointing our finger at God and say, what are you doing in my chair? You know, what, why are you, why are you uh, trying to boss me? <laughs> um, that's arrogance, that's pride, that's not humility. Humility is completely different than that. Verse 17, if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here. He's talking about your life on this world in fear. Fear. You might say, well, what does fear have to do with humility? Well, think of it this way. Um, My dad loved me. Um, There was no, and never has been any question about his love for me. Uh, But when I was a teenager and I would go out and and be with my friends, there was always that that thought in the back of my head, I've got to come home and I've got to answer to my dad for how I lived out here with my friends. That's fear. That's reverence. That's awe. That's respect. That's honor. So I would submit myself, even though my dad wasn't in the cars with me or at the ball games with me, I would submit myself when I lived in humility. I would submit myself to the expectation of my father, knowing that I would have to answer to him. As followers of Jesus, you and I must live with that kind of humility. We must live knowing that there's going to be a day when God, who is our Father, is also the one who evaluates, who judges the life that we've lived uh, as his children from here to heaven. He's evaluating whether or not you're living by the hope that you have been giving. He's asking us to uh, ramp up our humility, submitting to him so that we demonstrate what it means to have hope in this world because we've adjusted our life to fit his design. To live in the fear of the Lord is to live in humble submission to him. When you and I are living our lives according to the living hope that we have in Jesus, we will have humility that marks our character. We show hope to the hopeless Uh, When we live with hope-filled thinking and people see that the way Eric thinks is different than uh, the way I think, the way Eric handles bad times is different than the way I handle bad times, the way Eric is facing uh, the, the pandemic or a new year is different than the way I do it. I want to know how he can be so filled with hope, hope hope-filled thinking. We uh, show hope uh, uh, when we uh, live a holy life, when we uh, have holy living. Our, our neighbors and our friends who are far from God, who are distanced from God by sin and are trying to chase hope without God, they're, they're, they're coming up empty, but they see Eric or you or uh, my family and friends who, who have faith in Christ, and they see us living in hope by living holy lives and being wholly satisfied so that we are happy. And they say, I've chased this uh, elusive hope without God for so long, and I'm just empty on the inside, but Eric has something different. 
I, I, I need that kind of hope. We show hope through hope-filled thinking and holy living and through humility. And not trying to ask God, why are you in my chair? But rather saying, God, that's your chair. My whole life belongs to you. Just show me how to live and I'll do it. It's an anticipation that God, who is our Father, is going to evaluate us. Today, as we embark upon a new year, we all need hope. And that hope is found through Jesus Christ. He is the gift of hope to us. And it's a hope that never dies. Today, if you have yet to taste that hope, maybe you're religious or moral, but you haven't tasted the hope, I invite you to come to Christ, to let go your pride and take hold of Jesus, to repent your sin and to trust that Christ's death on the cross is payment for your sin, to give you forgiveness. His resurrection from the dead promises a restoration, a new life, a new family, filled with the riches of God's blessings and presence that outraces the troubles with His tender, omnipotent care. I invite you to come to Christ. We need hope today, even as followers of Jesus. Perhaps you're here and you're longing for hope. That hope's not going to be found by chasing empty things where God's not part of the equation. That hope can only be found. The anchor for our soul, the hope that holds, is found only when we give ourselves to God without reservation. Only when we rest our hope fully upon the grace that is to be revealed to us through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Today, I invite you to take hold of a hope that will never die. There's one more part as, as we who have experienced hope, and we want to show that hope to those who are far from God, people who are hopeless in this world without God and without hope. We, we want to show that hope. Can I add just one more thing? Uh, one more thing that whets the appetite of even the most hardened heart for the things of God. It's found in verse 22. Look at verse 22. Peter writes, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Holy Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Uh, loving others fervently is the mark of humility, holiness, and hope. Loving others fervently truly is the spoonful of sugar that makes the medicine go down. Friends, can I tell you that one of the ways that we introduce uh, people who are far from God with the hope that is never going to be killed is by our love. And next week we're going to begin a series uh, talking about the confident life that we can have because of Jesus. And it's from 1 John. And as we look at 1 John, we're going to see that love is a prominent theme. Uh, loving each other and loving others. I want to encourage you in this week between Christmas and New Year's, 
I want to encourage you to make it your goal to show hope to others by loving them fervently, sacrificially, the way Jesus has loved you.